Uh, we're just really grateful that you guys would come. I say this every week, but I think it's important is that everybody's journey uh, is sacred. And um, we just want to be as a community, what we're determined to be is we just want to be somebody who agrees with Jesus uh, when we affirm the infinite value of everybody here. Uh, nobody is here to, uh, we're not here to criticize and discourage you, but we're here to uh, exhort you and build you, build you up and remind you just how valuable and precious you are to God. So thank you guys for being here. Uh, I am uh, talking, I, I have a message tonight called The Brave Return. Will you turn with me if, if you have a Bible? Otherwise, I've got it on the screens, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, Paul says this in verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now we see things, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So my title tonight is The Brave Return. And if you have ever heard a sermon, I don't know if you're anything like me, you might have heard a sermon where you're sitting there and you're just thinking, man, this guy's doing nothing but just kissing up to the church and just singing the praises of the church all the time. Um, and that's basically the whole idea here, just talking about how great the church is all the time, the church as a whole, and how important it is. Well, tonight I'm going to talk, and I think this might be uh, as opposite of a message as that as is humanly possible. Um, I, it shouldn't surprise probably anybody here. I'm a pastor, so uh, I spend a lot of time thinking about the future of Christianity. I don't know if you've noticed, but um, Christianity, along with the rest of the world, has changed really radically in the last 10, 15, 20 uh, 30 years. And so I think about uh, as we press on to the future as Christians, what does American Christianity really look like? Does Christianity, is it still something that matters to people? It's 2016. Is Christianity still something that matters in 2016? Maybe have people moved on? I think something that you see that's kind of a trend in Christian culture is that people end up finding what I like to call their Christian life is over here, and then they have like their real life over here, and never the tween shall meet. Uh, they don't touch a lot. And so I'm just, uh, I, I fill my mind with concern sometime of whether or not uh, Christianity is something that still really matters to people in the real world today. Uh, is Christianity going to remain the dominant way of understanding God in America? Because right now when people think about uh, God, at least if you're an American, well, you probably think about God and you think about his uh, enemy who's the devil. You think about Adam and Eve and you think about the flood. You think about Jesus. You think about going to heaven when you die. Is that still going to be the main way that people uh, perceive God? Or maybe is it going to tra transition into something that, of course, is growing in popularity, which is called omnism? It's a weird word for the day. What that means is it's just a type of faith that it, it just affirms that all beliefs in God, all religions are equally beautiful and equally valid. Does it seem like maybe, if you were to ask yourself honestly, does it seem like maybe that's where the, the church is going to be in America in 100 years, in 50 years? Um, I had this conversation, I guess a year ago or something like that, with this guy. Um, he's a great guy. He's a great friend and a great man, but he has, I grew up with him in the Christian community, and uh, he had, for some reason or another, he actually left um, the Christian faith. 
So it's pretty common to talk to a guy who has left the church, left a particular church for some reason or another, or maybe just left the idea of church as a whole. That's not uncommon, but it's not actually talking about that. He was actually leaving uh, the whole idea about there being any sort of belief in God whatsoever. So he used to believe in God. He used to come to a church and be really committed, but now he's just decided that he doesn't believe in a God. And so I was like almost a little bit surprised by that for some reason, but uh, he says this, and I thought it was just so amazing. He said, don't get me wrong. I'm not happy about it. He says, he says I wish I believed. He says, I want to believe. Life was better when I believed in God. He says, that, so life was simpler. It was easier. I could pray and believe in heaven. But he says, at some point in my life, I just had to realize and recognize that like, what I was doing is pretending. And I no longer believed in God. And it's just amazing that you see right now, 2016, more and more common is it becoming uh, where we see people who are not only leaving the church, but leaving uh, the Christian faith. I have a a graph that was was published a little while ago in the New York Times, but this is uh, an interesting graph. It's from the Pew Research Center, and it's basically tracking religious affiliation from 2007 to 2014. And you can see that uh, evangelical, uh, evangelical Protestant, Catholic, and mainline Protestant, those are basically the three big sects, you could say. Those have all, over the last seven years, they've all declined. And this spans across all regions of the nation, so including the Bible Belt. Christianity is basically in a, in a pretty frantic nosedive in the last seven years. Uh, and it spans all denominations, so it's equally, you could say Catholics are having it even harder. Evangelicals are kind of hanging on a little bit. But everybody is experiencing this amazing... Uh, exodus from uh, the Christian church. Atheists and agnostics during this seven-year period have actually doubled. So twice as many people who don't believe in God. Now, uh, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, the other major religions here, either stayed the same or increased. You can see that non-Christian faiths uh, went up as well. But they, they uh, concluded the article by saying, no other time in the history of this nation Have we seen Christianity in such a frantic nosedive? So I think it's amazing. It's like right now you live in a very special time where Christianity is in a really weird way dying. And so I just think about it a lot. And and so if you wanted to put maybe a more positive spin on it, you could say it like this. It's no secret at all that uh, the American Christianity is going through a bit of a time of reevaluation and re-exploring um, and refinding what it means uh, to be a Christian in America. And I think that reevaluation when it comes to a movement like this is actually a good thing. A, a reevaluation is a sign of life. It means that it's still important to people. Uh, movements that don't reevaluate just end up being blind. And they're uh, on their way to extinction. They don't even realize it yet. Institutions that spend all day longing for the good old days, well, they're already dead. They don't even know it yet because the world doesn't care about the good old days. The world cares about uh, what's going next. And I'm just, I just think we as the church, if you would affiliate, I know some people would affiliate themselves with the church. Some people wouldn't in here. I think a lot of people would identify with being a follower of Jesus. But wherever you're at, I just think that we all as Christians or whatever you are in America, I think we should all be humbled with this unbelievable shift 
that we can all see is happening in our nation right now where people have become more and more comfortable living lives without God, or to say the least, at least without Christianity. And by Christianity, I don't mean necessarily just going to church because I don't know if you know this, it's not a popular thing to say, but you can be a Christian without going to church. I might not recommend it, but you can do it. What I mean by, when I'm talking about Christianity, what I mean is this rich tradition that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. It's the part of your experience with God that you don't get to make up. That's what we mean by Christianity. It's things like confession of faith. It's things like corporate worship. It's things like baptism. It's things like communion. It's things like prayer. All of these things that Jesus, as he was leaving us, was telling us to form into communities to perform these functions is what we mean by uh, uh, Christianity. So I think here are some interesting questions. I've got them on the screen. Maybe provocative. I think they're interesting to ask yourself tonight, but I've got four of them. Number one is this. How has the world changed and how do we fit? And I'm talking about the church or Christianity. Let's just say Christianity. How do we fit in this world? Maybe number two. Are there things that used to work that don't work anymore? I'll go ahead and spoil that one for you. The answer is yes. There's lots of things that used to work really good and things that don't work anymore. Uh, how about this? Are, uh, are there things that stopped working so we abandoned them, but now they'll work so we need to recapture them? The answer there is also yes. And uh, lastly, number four is this. Does Christianity still have a place in our modern culture or is it a relic from the past that is dying a not-so-slow death? That's really what I'm wanting to ask you tonight. Is there still something to be found in the community of people who are committed to following Christ, or is that something that if we were to fast forward 100 years from now, you kind of like look back at the church and you look back at Christianity as something that used to be really alive and really died? And you might be thinking, there's no way that that could possibly happen. David, well, I assure you it can happen. In fact, we have an amazing case study of... uh, Death, uh, the death of Christianity in uh, the continent. Of course, you know, um, I've said it a few times, but it bears repeating. I would like to talk to you guys briefly about Christianity in Europe. Because a lot of people, if they were less optimistic than perhaps me, they would say that Christianity in America is really following this trend that Europe, you know, basically this Europe, uh, they did this thing and we're doing it too, but we're just maybe 200 years behind, but we're absolutely headed that same direction. So if you don't know Acts chapter 19, you see Paul, he has this dream, the apostle Paul, he has a dream uh, where there's this man and he's across the, he's across the sea in Macedonia, which is modern day Greece. And he says this, hey, come over and help us is what he says to Paul in his dream. So uh, Paul wakes up and him and his fellow companions, they end up crossing uh, the sea and they introduce the people of Macedonia in Greece. They introduce those people to the message of Jesus. And that's how uh, Christianity finds its way into Europe in the book of Acts. Well, fast forward a thousand years uh, at the turn, you know, turn of the millennium. Uh, Europe is almost completely Christian. It's the, it's the predominant faith of uh, the time. It's largely Christian, but by the end, if you were to fast forward again, by the end of the 19th century, it's becoming very clear that Christianity in Europe is in a lot of trouble. And so then if you were to, if you were to think, let's fast forward yet again, current day Europe, uh, right now, 2016, well, uh, there are these small movements of Christianity. There's these small pockets of Christianity in Europe, 
But as a whole, it's an incredibly secular and post, they call it a post-Christian culture, which it just means this. It's, they're doing whatever is after Christianity, and they're finding that. And so there was this one man, a really cool, weird, crazy dude that foresaw this. He, saw, he lived in the mid-1800s. His name is Friedrich Nietzsche. I've shown you his picture before. Do you remember that, you remember that uh, mustache? It goes down in history. Friedrich Nietzsche, he is a very well-respected uh, philosopher and, of course, a very outspoken atheist. Uh, he, in his time, he compared Christianity in Europe to a locust shell that's on a tree. And it might look like there's still a bug on the tree, but it's long since died. And all that you really see there is just a little skeleton. So while it might look like it's real, it's dead and nobody realizes it. And so that's basically what he's saying Christianity is. He has this really famous parable. I bet some of you had to read it in school. It was called, it's called the parable of the madman. I talked with Jane. I think she had to read it in school. Is that right, Jane? Yeah, it's like, it's like one page. You guys could go read it if you want. It's kind of interesting. The parable of the man, man. But basically, the story goes like this. There's this man, and he goes to the marketplace. It's noon, and uh, it's a clear day. Well, he's out there holding a lantern, roaming around the marketplace. And he's saying this, I seek God. I'm looking for God. I'm trying to find God. I'm searching for God, and I can't find God anywhere. And he's holding a lantern. So people just laugh at him. People think that he's kind of crazy. It's a weird story because he's holding a lantern in the middle of the day on a, a clear day. Well, the madman goes and he turns to the people and he says this, I'm looking for God. I'll tell you where God is. God is dead and we've killed him. That's what the madman says. And so people just laugh at him because they think he's like a crazy, weird old guy. And so when they get mad, at, when they laugh at him, he gets mad and he throws the lantern and shatters it into pieces. And he says this, but I can see now that I've, that I've come too soon. That's what the madman says. So is that a weird parable? That's, that's the end. This is the end. Basically what he's talking about is, uh, okay, so it's a guy and he's roaming and he's declaring this phrase, God is dead. And you have to understand that the guy who's writing this is an atheist. So he's not saying that there's some deity now that has died. He doesn't believe that there is a God, but what he's talking about is Christianity. And he's saying Christianity is dead. And, and then when people laugh when he says that, he says this, I can see now that I've come too soon. He's saying this, you are all going to realize in a hundred years from now that Christianity has died, but no one here recognizes it yet. So I've come too soon with my message. And listen, don't be too hard on precious Friedrich Nietzsche with the weird mustache uh, he wasn't bragging about this. He wasn't, he wasn't even happy about it. He wasn't, he wasn't like uh, gloating about the end of Christianity. He's simply asking this, and you can read it in his other writings. He's just asking this question of Christianity. What's next? What's next for us? Because Christianity came to Europe, it took over, and now it's dying. And so the question is this, what's next? What's next for us? And he, he explains it like we've lost the horizon that we can't even see. We look out and we try to see the future, but we can't even see what's coming next uh, when it comes to uh, faith. So some people would consider Friedrich Nietzsche uh, a prophet, and certainly in his own way, he was. Uh, he went a little crazy. He was kind of a crazy prophet. He actually went insane the last 10 years of his life and went a little, went a little bit wacky, but uh, he foresaw tons of stuff, 
And you can see in his writings how ahead of his time he was in foreseeing a lot of things that actually did happen. One of the things that he prophesied very effectively was the demise of Christianity in Europe. And so now in Europe, if you were to go over there, uh, Europe is one of, if not the most post-Christian continents on the face of the earth. Where Christian churches used to be, you can see abandoned buildings. And it's just, it's just, they've moved on from the Christian faith. And so the question for you guys tonight, uh, Outlet 2016, is this. Does Christianity in America have a, br- a brighter future? Are, are we repeating what they did, but we're just 200 years later? And now the prophets are telling us, hey, God is dead, but they've just come too soon. And so that's the question. And honestly, it's kind of hard to say. It's hard to say what Christianity is going to really look like. I think one of the reasons is this, in my humble opinion, I think Christianity is really tangled up with Americanism right now. So it's hard to see if people really have faith in Jesus or they just think that kind of following God is the American way. Um, So it's kind of hard because that's kind of tangled right now. But you have to admit, I think you would all be able to admit this, the idea that Christianity is going to remain the dominant culture in America in the next 50 years is pretty much wishful thinking. Because I don't think that that is exactly where we're going to be. My hope for Christianity, I'll tell you this, if you're wanting my opinion, my hope is that Christianity in America would become the radical alternative of a minority. I feel like, I feel like uh, Christianity in the next 50 years is going to become more authentic. I feel like Christianity in the next 50 years is going to become more honest, more passionate, more devoted. But I also think that it is going to become the faith of a minority. I don't think that Christianity in the culture of America is going to be the thing where 86% of people self-identify as Christian. Like, that's, not, that's just not in our future, if you ask uh, me. So, here's my point. Anyone depressed? Was that depressing? I know, it's kind of sad. That's all just setting the stage. It's time for me to tell you what I mean when I say uh, the brave return. So I hopefully have convinced you with stats and even weird European stories that uh, Christianity is at a bit of a crossroads right now. And it's trying to find out what it looks like. And I, and I hope I'm not painting Christianity as a victim here. Because if Christianity is a victim of anything, it's probably our own arrogance and our own idolatry. Um, there has been no um, movement in uh, the history of the world without its missteps. And so if we were to put it very nicely, possibly way too nicely, we would say this, that Christianity, especially evangelical Christianity in America, has had its fair steps, uh, fair um, share of missteps. As a Christian leader, I, uh, I hesitate to speak badly about the church, but as a Christian leader, I think that I am the person who is maybe uniquely qualified Uh, to identify some of the problems and maybe how we can find ways to fix them. So as a Christian leader, next slide, I want to say bravely that we've hurt people. We have. The church has hurt people. Uh, We've been cruel. Uh, We've made being right more important than being loving. Does anyone else identify with that? It gets so quiet in here. I like it. It's so intense. Uh, We've shunned the seeker people who are still seeking. 
Uh, We've shunned them as not having enough faith. We've created a community where we minimize the sins of the people inside the holy club. Our sins are no big deal. And then we magnify the sins of those outside the holy club. Their sins are a big deal. But as long as you're in the club, we hide them. But if you're outside the holy club, we magnify uh, their sins. And I just think all this to say, there's a tremendous amount of course correcting that has to happen uh, as Christianity finds its new way of living in 2016. And so, so here we go. Here's a uh, shift in the sermon. But, was that, was that good? But, okay. So that was all the previous first half of the sentence. But at the same time, we're struggling to find our way and we're in trouble and our numbers are down and giving is down and churches are closing their doors. At the same time, there's this uh, beautiful new wave of people returning back to the rich heritage that is Christianity. And they are disillusioned. A lot of them are frustrated. A lot of them are skeptical of the Christian faith. But there's millions of people in the nation and in the world today that for some reason, I think God is just bringing something fresh right now. There's people that are beginning to find their way back to the heritage of Christianity. And they're honest and they're open and they don't care about Christian games. But there are people who are opening their hearts once again to uh, the idea of following Jesus. People who have said in their own hearts and maybe with their own mouths, never again. They've, they're slowly changing that to, uh, I'll give Christianity one more try. And it's just this beautiful, raw thing that I, I just feel like we, even as a culture uh, in this room, I feel like we're privileged to be able to see uh, God working in people's hearts that had already written Christianity off a long time ago. And there's this reconciliation that's happening between broken people and a broken church. And God is like mending these wounds that have been um, raw for a really long time. And we're finding ways to form these imperfect communities with people who are not interested in acting perfect. We're just interested in acknowledging how good and perfect God is. But the way of understanding church as it was before, which is like the holy club where we all come in and the people who happen to come into this room are the people who have figured it all out and don't have any of the nasty sin that those people, like that's just over. That, I, I think that that is the locust on the wall. And I'm saying, I, I think that that's, that's dying, but I don't think it's just gonna be over like it has been in Europe. I think God's replacing it with something new and fresh and beautiful and honest. Which kind of brings us uh, tonight uh, to you, 2016 um, outlet, Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'll say this, some of you guys in this room, maybe even listening to the podcast, um, some of you love the church. Some of you have never been anything but incredibly blessed by the Christian community. You only like to work with Christian plumbers. You know what I mean? Like, you know... You know, if you're wanting to know who the most honest person in the room is, you just like say something about Jesus and the person who says something about Jesus, you know that that's going to be an honest person. And if I'm being honest, like there's these, there's these people who have been treated incredibly well by the church. And if I'm being honest, a lot of my story is kind of in that camp because man, the church has been great to me. 
I found, I found so much meaning and hope and beauty. I found my wife. I found all my, like all my friends in Christian community. And so there, there has been things that, that I've seen that have hurt me and things that I can see that are broken. But as a whole, man, I, I, I feel just such a sense of connection with the Christian community as a whole. And there's some people, maybe some others of you in this room tonight, and I bet we're all kind of maybe a combination. Many of us are a combination of the two. Um, maybe you have felt the sting of a Christian community that looks nothing like Jesus. And you've been hurt and you've been frustrated and you've felt abandoned and you've felt alone. And it's not just because you're feeling something that didn't happen. It's because we misunderstood what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And maybe you've been the type of person who has woken up and said, I don't know why this is kind of weird, but why is it that like the most hateful, uh, least loving, most judgmental people that I, I know just so happen to be Christians? My, is, has anyone ever thought that? And sometimes I'm like, okay, I just can't believe it. Like my non-Christian friends are so much more loving than you people. It's a weird thought, but it's not an, un, it's not a, an un, uncommon thought. In fact, I had, uh, I've, I've hung out with people multiple times these past weeks, and I've heard these exact sentiments that it's like, man, I don't know a lot about Jesus, but I'm learning more and more about Christianity, and I'm just finding that I want nothing to do with those types of people. And so there are, I just think it's valuable for us, no matter what part of what camp you come from, you just have to understand that we have to get better at reconciling our sense of following after Jesus Christ with a world uh, that is looking at us and trying to understand who God is. And uh, every week I say this, every single week um, I say this because I just think it's important, but I say everyone's journey is sacred. If you guys remember me saying that, it's kind of a weird thing to say. But I'm just learning to see the beauty in um, people's struggle with the Christian faith. This, this sense of wrestling with understanding who you are and who God is and who we're supposed to be and what's my place in this community. There's just something beautiful happening when we uh, see ourselves in not as just a, I'm in this camp or I'm in this camp, but I'm, I'm on a journey. You know, and the Christian faith is not about just arriving somewhere. Like now we've said the sinner's prayer, isn't that so sweet? Now we go to heaven instead of hell when we die. That's so cool. Like I'm starting to see that I don't think the Christian faith is, is just this like yes or no type of thing, but I think it's this journey where beautiful and terrible things happen. But we, but we, we learn um, not to just hate our past, but to see our story as something where God is moving. And you know that I am not the guy who thinks, well, it's because God is orchestrating it. Like, you know, I don't believe that. But I do think that God is able to bring redemption to stories, even when uh, there's dark things that are happening. And, and all of the things that we see in our own lives, you know, the good and the bad, the beautiful and the ugly, they all teach us how to trust God. And they all teach us how to um, navigate not just being in or being out, but being on a journey with God. And we have good days, we have bad days, we have good years, bad years, good decades, bad decades. Anybody? I've got, I've got some bad decades. But, but it's all a part of our story. And uh, can I get the band to come up? I'm about done. This is a weird message, huh? Still working on it. Okay. <laughs> Figuring it out. 
But I, I just think there is um, something to be said for understanding our lives and how our lives relate to people on the outside of our communities and how, how we can find this commonality that it's not that we are the yes people and they are the no people, but we're all people who are living this story and we're all people who are figuring out who we are and, and we're learning and we're walking and we're growing and there's this distinction, I think there can be, I think it's wrong, but there can be this distinction of our life before Christ and then our life after Christ, like BC, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? You know, someone will say something about like having a beer and they'll be like, that was BC, man. That was, B- that was before Christ. People do that. Uh, you know, but there's like this BCU before Christ and then there's this after Christ, you know, after BC. It's just like, man, I, I was bad and things were bad and then I saw the light and then everything has been incredible since then. As if, as if it's that clean cut. You know what I mean? Uh, Eugene Peterson, he has a book called Practicing, uh, Practice Resurrection. And this is a quote. I think it's really great. He says this. There is no BC in our lives. There's no before Christ. And listen to this. Neither is there any BC in anyone else who is not a confessed Christian. Christ is always present for all of us. Just because we have no awareness of the presence and action of God does not mean that God was absent. We must not naively assume that Christian life begins with us. No, I just think, it, you know, this, maybe this makes me a hippie. I'm starting to think, maybe I'm a hippie. I used to always tell my mom, like, God, oh, you're such a hippie, mom. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a hippie, I don't know. But I'm starting to feel, I'm just starting to look out into the world and where I used to think it was like such a clear cut distinction between like the people who have made the right choice here we're the Christians and we've made the right choice and then there's everyone else who's just choosing to be evil or stupid you know what I mean I'm just starting to think about the people of the world as these are all precious children so cared for by God and they're all on these unique journeys trying to hear him trying to understand trying to trying to do the right thing and they're all in different places in their own lives you know what I mean and that's that's what I mean when I'm when I'm saying like everyone everyone's journey is sacred you know it's like when you see someone and you talk to someone you shake their hand what you're seeing is just like a tiny little second of their incredible story you know what I mean maybe you caught them on a bad day maybe you caught them on a great day but man God is telling this trying to tell through all of us this beautiful story that if we'll that if we'll open our hearts to it we can stop just wishing that we were different all the time stop wishing that other people were different all the time but we can instead just begin to experience the beauty uh, that is in every moment with people and I'm really honored you know as we just talk about the church and kind of what the church is supposed to be uh, in my opinion in the future I'm just so honored that God is using this type of community um, to help people in their brave return back to the faith because there's a lot of people that have one of the steps in their story is this slow, arduous crawl back to the Christian faith because they don't trust us yet. 
and they've got some pretty good reasons why, <laughs> why they don't want to trust us yet. But they, but they recognize that there is something to be found in forming communities around Jesus Christ, and so they're opening their hearts to it. And I just think as we think about the church and who we're supposed to be, we have to be people that respect the delicate relationships of people between them and God. I'm not going to be somebody who just comes up on this mic and just talks about like the wickedness of, you know, like sin and just making these blanket statements because I don't know your story and I don't know where you are. And I just think that we have created destruction when we've made everyone the same, when we've made everyone either a good or a bad. And I think as, as we continue to find God in the future, we have to be people who respect other people's journeys. And we're not labelers. We're not people who says like, well, that's the good sinner. That's the gay guy. That's the, you know what I mean? Like we can't be the people who are labeling all these because that's not, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Our, our commitment to Jesus Christ in forming these communities is to find ways to affirm the insurpassable value of every single person. And if we do that, and if we're true to, to seeing people in their journey, loving them, I think we have a bright future ahead. And my prayer for a community like this is simply that we would be people who would echo the words of Jesus when people come into these rooms, when we say this, come, come you also. You who have been outcast from the church, you who have been outcast from society, you who have been um, scorned and uh, labeled, come you also. Because Jesus offers this unique sense of receiving him that's just different than the way of the world. And as I close uh, and we prepare for communion, as we always do, I'll tell you guys when to pass. But I've just been thinking a little bit about how God speaks. We did a series. Do we have a graphic? Oh, we replaced it. It's that how to 12 ways to lose your bay. We replaced it, but it was called Thus Saith the Lord. Uh, it was a series that we did in YX, just talking about how we hear God and how God speaks. And, you know, I think some people, when they talk about hearing from God, it's like, I don't know if you guys know these people, but it's like God is just telling them which lane to pick on the freeway. You know what I mean? Like he's speaking to them these sovereign, super specific words like 400 times a day. And that's super cool. But that's never been me. And, it's, and I don't think that will ever be me. Um, but lately, I've just been thinking about how God speaks to me and not like necessarily with his words, but how everywhere that I go in this life, we live in this world that um, speaks of him. And I just think if God speaks at all to us, and of course he does, then we have to believe that one of the ways that he speaks to us is through our story and who we are and where we came from and the battles that we go through and the victories that we have and the losses that we suffer. And um, it's just this whole story that I can see and I can see um, the beautiful hand of God speaking and encouraging me in all of those different things. And I just want you to ask yourself as we pass, we're gonna pass communion. I need to like slow my pace because I'm too intense. Okay, so what we need to do, you gotta try to slow it down before you break trying. Uh, I want you guys to ask yourself as we pass uh, these, just spend one minute, and I want you to think about your story. 
Not just think about a generic story. Hang on. Uh, Sorry. Uh, Yeah, I'll tell you in just one second. But think about your story in a real specific way. Think about you, whatever your name is, where you are right now in your life. Where are you? Where did you come from? Think about that. Think about who you were 15 years ago, five years ago, three years ago, six months ago. I don't know. Think about who you used to be, where you've been, where have you been lately? You know what I mean? Like, what is this? What is this? Now we're starting a year 2016. What was 2016 for you? Maybe it was awesome. Maybe it was just an absolute crap fest. I don't know. But think about your story and think about, I love this one. Think about uh, where you feel, where do you feel like God is taking you? on this journey, like what's next for you in this journey? Maybe, maybe even this question, who is God making you? Who? What type of person are you becoming right now? Is he teaching you who you're supposed to be? Is he awakening something? I just think we can become so goal-oriented in this world, especially as Americans, especially as like an A personality like me. We can get so goal-oriented that we don't appreciate right now. You know what I mean? That we're just, we're just waiting for the next thing to come. And then we don't realize that this season that we're in right now is its own sacred moment. And, and, and we miss the fact that even in these small times, whatever time you're going through, that God is carrying us through all the time. And as they pass, I just want you to look at your life and maybe try with the help of Jesus to see your sacred story and see how he's helping you even today. a quote by uh, uh, author. Her name is Caroline Adams. I think she's really cool. Uh, She says this, your life is a sacred journey. It's about change, growth, discovery, movement. 
transformation, continuously expanding your vision of what is possible, stretching your soul, learning to see clearly and deeply, listening to your intuition, taking courageous challenges at every step along the way. You are on the path, listen to this, exactly where you are meant to be right now. And from here, you can only go forward, shaping your life story into a magnificent tale of triumph, of healing, of courage, of beauty, of wisdom, of power, of dignity, and of love. Just, just so, I just can't get away from this idea of God is not up there sitting right now waiting for you to reach your potential. He's not, he's not waiting, uh, you know, for you to finally be good so that he can begin to walk with you. But even right now, no matter where you are, no matter where you're at, every single person who's hearing this, God is with you on your journey. Maybe you're at a really low point tonight. Maybe you're at a really high point. Maybe you love Christianity and it's so great and you're just so happy and you're hoping service is never going to end. Or maybe, uh, I don't think anybody's thinking that. Or maybe you are um, barely willing to dip your pinky toe into Christianity and you're waiting for someone to make one wrong step so that you can feel justified in, in walking away forever. Uh, but just whatever it is, whatever place you're at tonight, I just want you to feel and envision in your heart Jesus saying to you, come all the same. All of you, there's room for you at my table. There's room for you. I think we have this tendency, especially when we take communion, of us coming, coming to Jesus. Like this is us coming to him. Good, you know, that's so great. But you just have to remember, we all have to remember that we didn't invite Jesus. He invites us. And as we gather with him, it's not because we've decided to invite him back into our lives. It's because he continuously invites us back. And so when we talk about this idea of our returning, coming back, the, the brave return back to whatever has been lost in you, all it is is you saying yes to him. He is the initiator in the relationship. Uh, as we close, before we take communion, uh, I'd like us to re uh, re recite together the confession of faith, which is the Apostles' Creed. This is something that people have been saying. I think there's a lot of beauty here. People have been saying this for 2,000 years to confess uh, their faith in Jesus Christ. So it's three slides. Uh, let's read it out loud together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Will you bow your heads and let me pray for you. Most loving Father, we believe that you're with us in the journey of life that we're all on is full of surprises and twists and turns. And for many of us, we find ourselves in places we never thought we'd be. I think that's so true, good and bad.
but you're with us. And when we're on the mountaintop and when we're in the valley, you're with us all the same. So tonight, as we think about our journey, we remember um, that you're always present. There's never a time when you're not near. There's never a time when you're not helping. There's never a time when you're not moving on our behalf. And as we bless this bread and bless this cup, we believe that you're working in us to form us into the type of people that you created us to be. All life is a sacred journey and we say that we trust you in everything and we thank you. So tonight we remember your death, we proclaim your resurrection and we await your return. We remember your death, we proclaim your resurrection and we await your return. And to you tonight, my brothers and sisters, Jesus is saying, this is my body that's broken for you and this is my blood that's poured out for you. So let's eat the bread and drink from the cup together. One more prayer for my brothers and sisters. Father, I believe that there's people in here with delicate and complex uh, relationships with fellow believers, with the church, with the Christian community, with even understanding God. I just pray that all of the people in here, as they continue on their journey, Father, that they would feel your helping presence with them. And as they go about their lives, they would feel your care for them and your affection for them. It's become such a cliche to say that you love us. So I'll say it like this. You have deep affection for each and every one of us. And I pray that that would become real as people return and journey forward to who you've called us to be. So we say thank you for that. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Everybody said amen.